0: Afternoon, welcome into Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, alongside Maurice Patton, as we are live from the factory here in Columbia. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I know that we are, and it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It
1: is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we've been out in the neighborhood for a lot of it. We it's have a indeed. beautiful. A long day.
0: Yeah, I actually I texted Sarah earlier, and she's, I said, man, this day. And she said, things going wrong? I was like, not really. It's just been a long day already. So it's only going to be longer for some people on this stage because some folks have events later. And I'm sure folks are wondering why we have a third member of the crew.
1: No, nope. <laughs> some folks are wondering why we have a third member of the crew. We want to welcome Columbia Central senior multi-sport standout Savaya Morgan to the stage, who um, later this evening will be celebrating her college softball signing with the University of Tennessee. So we're going to talk to Savia about that a little bit more here in a bit. but. Savaya, welcome and thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll we'll get with Savaya more here in a bit because I I got questions.
0: Well, we've got we've got plenty of questions. We'll get answers here in just a moment. But before we do anything else, I'll tell you about the show. Heather Williams joins us later to talk NASCAR. So Heather will join us at 3:10, just after our segment with Terry McCormick talking Titans. We'll also talk about, of course, the college football playoff rankings, which uh, were, were released last night. Top six don't change, but everything else kind of interesting. So we'll get into that. Of course, it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world and Florida coming your way in just a few moments. But right now, we need to get you yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown.
2: This
1: is The Rundown. Really short slate of activity on Tuesday, but on the ice, Fred's blew a 2-0 first period lead to fall at Calgary 4-2. In Major League Soccer, the Nashville Soccer Club's season is over. Ended at Geodis Park last night with a second 1-0 loss to Orlando. Orlando taking the best of three series 2-0. Tuesday night, Maction Ball State with a 20-17 victory over Northern Illinois. Western Michigan defeated Central Michigan 38 38- 28, and Ohio doubled up Buffalo 20-10. Men's college basketball action, second night of the regular season. Baylor with an 88-82 win over Auburn, and things went from bad to worse for the Southeastern Conference as Presbyterian came into Memorial Gym and secured the bag and the dub with a 68-62 win over Vanderbilt. In women's action, Tennessee defeated former Lady Ball great Bridget Gordon, and Florida A&M, 93 Also, Lipscomb went on the road and got a 77-58 win over everyone. Today's schedule, men's action, Lipscomb is
0: on the road at Drake. That's at 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN+. On Valley Sports Southeast, you can catch the Memphis Grizzlies at home against the Miami Heat. And college football action, or as we like to say, Maction, At 6 o'clock tonight on ESPNU, Miami of Ohio welcomes in Akron. Bowling Green's on the road at Kent State on CBS Sports Network at 6. And at 6.30, it's Toledo hosting Eastern Michigan on the Deuce. That, folks, is your At Tiggly
2: Wiggly
0: here in Columbia Neely's Mill Shopping Center. Make sure to go by and get delicious deli lunch special. Of course, they've got meats, vegetables, cobblers, all of the sorts. You can also go and get your fresh hand-cut meats, as well as great and fresh produce. Again, all at Neely's Mill Shopping Centers. Piggly Wiggly, cost plus 10 at the register. Appreciate their support for today's top story. We do have the Tennessee Sports Sportswriters Association's Players of the Week, Mo.
1: We do. In football, UT Martin quarterback Kincaid Dent. Um, five touchdown passes, 24-40 for 318. Eighth time in UT Martin history that a quarterback has thrown for five-plus touchdowns, joining Derek Carr, not that one, <laughs> And Jared Neal as the only ones to do it more than once in the same year. But um, again, Kincaid Dent 24 43 18, five touchdowns, and Martin's 44 41 overtime win against Tennessee Tech. We showed you the um, the okay. pass that won it
0: right.
1: um, earlier this week, and that play was actually Sports Center's number one play of the day. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Um, defensively, Tusculum Jr. Jermaine Witherspoon was involved in three of Tusculum's four first forced turnovers, including a game tying scoop and score, as Tusculum defeated Mars Hill 29 27 in double OT. He had a 23 yard scoop and score, forced another fumble, and had his 10th career interception, Goodness. finishing the game with seven tackles, one for loss, and a hurry. In the Pioneers victory. All over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, hope he didn't need an IV afterwards, but you would understand if he did. No doubt. Yeah. Um, women's soccer. Maribel Jr. Sierra Lee scored twice at the game winner in Maribel's 2 1 overtime win against Covenant in the Collegiate Conference of the South Championship. That goal came in the 97th minute as Maribel won both regular season and tournament titles with that victory. Lee also scored a goal in the semifinal win over Piedmont. And in volleyball, King's senior Haley Blankenship had a double-double in each of King's two matches this weekend. 24 kills, 13 digs, and a five-set victory over Converse. 21 kills, 17 digs against Emmanuel, giving her double-doubles in six of her last seven matches. Um, There was no men's soccer player of the week this week, so congratulations again to Martins, Kincaid, Dent, Tusculum's Jermaine Witherspoon, Marable's Sierra Lee, and King's Haley Blankenship, all recognized by the Tennessee Sports Writers Association as players of the week in their respective sports.
0: Where is King?
1: What is King? King University is in Upper East Tennessee. Um, Bristol? Never heard of
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Tornadoes. Oh, okay.
0: The King Tornadoes. That's a scary title. Yeah. If someone says there's a King Tornado coming, you're
1: like... <laughs> Not just a tornado, you know, but like a King, King Tornado. Yeah. Exactly.
0: That, that's, a, that's a heck of a qualifier there for a tornado. Yeah.
1: Tornado's about enough. King Tornadoes will get your attention. There's no question. No question. I'll tell you who um, else will get your attention. This young lady once she gets on base. Which is quite often. Yeah, <laughs> she it which it most clip. of the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, Savaya Morgan, as we said, um, she'll be celebrating her signing with the University of Tennessee later on here at the Factor. And we were lucky enough to get her on with us here early on. Uh, again, Savaya, thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, we were talking off air just before the show. You committed October 25th last year. I guess it's a pretty memorable date when you commit to a southeastern conference school to play your sport. Um who um other than Tennessee, who were you most seriously considering before you finally committed to the Lady Vols? Um
3: I was considering Florida State, Purdue, Memphis,
1: Duke, and Leon, so. Memphis. It's interesting. Purdue, Considering, yeah, all things considered, yeah. Um, Purdue, it's cold up there. How much did that have to do with your decision to not go? Oh,
3: I'm not a big cold.
1: So there we go. There so, go. But the
3: campus is beautiful. coaches were amazing. It kind of factored out once you met everyone. Mm-hmm. And you knew the campus.
1: What put Tennessee over the top for you? <laughs> knew it was coming, just didn't know when.
3: Um, but
1: they're closer to home. Like, well, it's for me. So, to be able to go... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Two and a half? How fast you drive? Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. well, two and a half
1: back? Yeah, because you, you pick hour? up an hour. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: maybe
1: <three>. Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs>
1: you like being close to home. What did they like about you? My speed
3: and my ability to get on base.
1: Surprise. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, yeah. Um, You've played center field throughout your career at Columbia Central. Have they indicated whether that's the plan for you once you get to that level? Do you think you'll be at a corner? Do you have any idea?
3: Well, for a I we switch around, so I know I play every position now. So it just depends. Wherever I'm able to play, I'm just going to go
1: play. <laughs> Where are you most comfortable?
3: Um, either left field or center field. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, as a junior, I don't know if you were caught more than once, but I happened to see the first time you were caught. I think it broke a string of 49 straight. I and mean, obviously, once you get on base, it, you just feel like you can get another two if you want to, pretty much. How, how much does that confidence play into your ability to, you know, be a game changer
3: whenever I get on it's just look at my defense if the second baseman or shortstop is too far away from the back I know I can get the second and same for third base if I look at the shortstop which is closer to me and I know I can beat her to play
1: um so you don't worry about the catcher no
0: and, and you know that's it's funny because that's I hear that from a lot of base dudes that they're more worried about what the fielder is doing where the fielder is playing and when that's the case, when they know that, they know that too. So they're playing maybe closer to the bag that opens up the field for, you know, folks behind you, even if there's a ground ball, likely chance it gets through. And if it gets through, you're fine home dark. or home. even. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I think that's important to note about the way that you play the game. Now, I saw, again, very similar from uh, 2022 sec player of the year kendall beth sides watched her play four years of high school softball It's exactly the same thing that i see from you and so how much of a confidence factor is that for your teammates because they know all they got to do is put it in play it
3: helps them a lot so they don't have to focus on scoring me they just have to focus on hitting the ball and i'll just and you'll take
1: care you'll of the take rest. care of it. <laughs> that helps yeah um Having committed to Tennessee last fall, how exciting was watching them over the course of this past season as they went 51-10, and 10, swept the SEC regular season and tournament championships, went to the Final Four of the Women's College World Series. I mean, what's it like watching them and knowing, you know, in a couple of years I'm going to be with them?
3: It was very, very exciting, especially since the girls that are there right now—it's only a couple leaving—so with my
1: class coming in, we either can top them or be as good. Hopefully top them, right? <laughs> um, the idea of winning the national championship, that doesn't excite you, does it? Very
2: <laughs> <exactly>.
1: <laughs> um, again, committing as a junior. What kind of relationship have you been able to build with um, with Karen Weekly and, and the coaching staff up there since you've been committed?
3: Well, we've been very strong, especially since when I committed, I went to some camps afterwards just so that I could learn how they do their stuff and hitting. And then they came to tournaments. They come to tournament circuit, the 25s, but sometimes you also still see them. Although you can't talk to them, but you can still see them. <laughs>
1: And knowing they're there, I guess that's that's kind of cool to know they're there and, and know why they're there, huh? yeah. um, Chris thoughts? Yeah, I'm just you know over
0: here trying to create some tweets and whatnot because you have some great quotes, and I, I think I think one of the things that I love about this is that you know we've we've seen Tennessee play at a very high level. You're going to see players in the SEC and potentially the the Women's College World Series that you've played against your entire four, five, six-year career playing with the Bolts. because, I mean, you guys play in California. You play everywhere. So what is it like just kind of – it's almost like playing travel ball tournaments when you're playing college softball. It's how much of a familiarity do you have and how much does that help you confidence-wise knowing that, hey, I've hit off this girl. My
3: entire life. I can do that. Especially with my football <laughs> team. Um, in the twenty five class, my pitchers are going to Arkansas. Uh, one of my infielders is going to Bama. One of the girls in my class is going to Bama. So I've already played against most of them. And played or played with,
0: with them. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about the Bolts organization there. It's and,
1: pretty strong. And, and hit them. Exactly. And stolen off of
0: them. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, that has to, I mean, that, that has to play a big factor in you know in, in not just you having confidence, but Coach Weekly or any of these other coaches having confidence in you because they know that you're going to see the same. So, you know, did you feel that when they first when when Karen first came to you and said, you know, we feel like you can play here? Did you feel that confidence from them? And how much does that help you as a high school player to say, if I can play at the SEC, I can play anywhere and you step in the box expecting to get a hit.
3: It honestly helped me a lot because to see higher people with higher rankings believing in me and seeing the potential in me made me look at the game even better and seeing what I can do. Well,
0: it's, it's pretty impressive watching you play. And, and, you know, again, you remind me so much of KB and I, I hope that you take that as a huge compliment because you didn't win the SEC player of the year. So no pressure or anything, but I'm, Fully expecting you to win SEC player of the year at some point over the next four years as a Tennessee fan and as a Savio Morgan fan. So I really hope that you know. really excited about watching you play and looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Um, Softball isn't the only thing that you've got going on, though. (laughs) You've got your basketball season opener next Thursday night. Y'all have a couple of games next week. how do you continue to work on your softball and be the the key cog in the girls' basketball team for Columbia Central that you have been?
3: um well, we go to practice till five and then when I get out, I go hit <laughs> and then I just keep repeating every day until we have a tournament which tomorrow night is when I leave for my next tournament in Florida.
1: So, you've got a tournament this weekend.
3: Our last tournament.
1: That should be fun. With Tennessee signee instead of Tennessee commit, Savia Morgan going down. I know. It's going to be
3: so much fun being able to see my teammates again and talking to my coaches possibly.
0: Does that take anything off you for your senior season? You're a signee. Nobody's coming after you. Nobody's saying, "Hey, you know, you, you can still come play for us. You've already signed the paper. You you are you are done." How much of a, of a weight does that lift off your shoulders? a little
3: because I was already knowing where I wanted to go, and then especially when I just play, I don't really think about those type of things when it
1: comes to my sports. You know, between being committed and today, how much? Recruiting traffic, were you getting? How much interest were you still getting from other schools? Because I mean, commitments are
2: starts. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: commitments are verbal; they're not binding. I mean, did you have folks continuing to come at you? Well, oh, you have Twitter, D- Twitter feeds and DMs. So it comes. To <laughs> so they were sliding into your DMs, then, huh? But you just kept them at arm's length. I'm, I'm a VFL, right? There you go. Great, Savia Morgan, Columbia Central standout outfielder, um, getting ready to well, having her signing day ceremony later this afternoon here at the factory in Columbia. Joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Savia, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We know you got some other places that you got to get to this afternoon, so um, we're not going to hold you up. But but thanks for taking some time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely
0: all right we'll take a break when we come back college football playoff reactions and more right after this on main street sports today presented by mid tennessee bone and joint stick around mid tennessee bone and joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
4: And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao and Maurice Patton here with you on this Wednesday edition of the show. Glad to be with you as we come to you live from the Lee Company studio here at the factory in Columbia. Beautiful spot. man. It
1: really is. I got to speak to one of the um, new owners earlier this afternoon, and um, she was just saying that, you know, they're getting more businesses in here they're getting more traffic through here and and they've done a really nice job with it this
0: is nice. and do you remember when we came over here
1: and there was
0: nothing in the middle but all those antiques mm-hmm. and it was it just looked like someone's storage unit yeah and now it is just absolutely fantastic i mean there's it's really impressive there are murals on the wall there's there's bees salty and sweet and Wing where, where, I, where i
1: picked up breakfast
0: Yeah, Nashville Tea Company over here that I've done a story on with their their nice little tea garden they've got.
1: You know, I've seen Wing 1-1 around town. I've not had a chance to check it out. I may have to correct that once we
8: get done.
0: Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about last night's college football playoff uh, rankings Mm -hmm. as, you know, Again, not much changed in the way of – actually, nothing changed in the (laughs) way of the top four or top six. But I find some interesting rankings here, such as Ole Miss at number nine. Of course, Texas over Alabama, Alabama over Ole Miss makes a lot of sense. Texas beat Alabama. Alabama Alabama beat Ole Ole Miss. Miss. But But if Ole Miss wins this weekend. Against Georgia? At Georgia. Things are going to get real interesting. Because then what do you do with four one-loss teams who all played each other and you have a literal hierarchy?
1: With Georgia, Texas, Alabama, and Ole Miss?
0: You have – Exactly what we just said, except that Georgia would be behind Ole this.
1: Then what do you do? Move everybody up one? I think you do, because, I mean, assuming that everybody, all of the undefeated except Georgia, stay undefeated, then, mm-hmm. then, yeah, I mean, I think it makes things pretty easy, pretty clean for, for the committee if it plays out that way. In fact, I think the committee would kind of welcome that. Yeah, they
0: they might be <laughs> they might be all over that. They'd but, say, you know what, that just makes our job a lot easier. Yeah. They they would certainly of course if Ole Miss loses, then they drop, you know, significantly. But I thought this was interesting as well. Tennessee ahead
1: of Missouri. Well, I mean, you, you have come out and said that because this game this weekend is in Como, Tennessee's not going to win. And, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people that feel that way. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. I know Tennessee hasn't played well on the road this year. In fact, I know that they've been <laughs> two different teams. Yeah. but
0: Well, they've not I, played on the well on the road since Josh Heifel got there, except for in Como. It's the one place that they have played really well on the road. And see,
1: here's the thing. Missouri 23, Middle Tennessee State 19. I know.
0: But they also covered against Georgia on the road. Now, they lost Luther Burden, which I think is huge. Here's here's what I think is the committee's thought process. Mm -hmm. Tennessee can still win the SEC.
1: It's kinda of crazy to think about. It is.
0: It? Considering that they lost to both Florida and Alabama. They, they still, still control
1: their own destiny.
0: Well, they don't control their own destiny. But, but they do they'll need Ole Miss to beat Georgia. But they can win. But they could win.
1: If Ole Miss beats Georgia and then Tennessee then, beats Georgia.
0: If, if Ole Miss beats Georgia and Tennessee wins this weekend, Tennessee does control its own destiny by virtue of a win over Georgia and then Vanderbilt.
1: Vanderbilt's like you just had to drag us into this, didn't you? As if things ain't bad enough for us right now. We'll get to that. To
0: we will, in fact. But I think I think this is really interesting here because I wonder, you know, if it's it's just interesting that Missouri finds itself where it is, and you know, you look at the top 25. Missouri has the same number of losses as Tennessee, but they also have a win over number 25. And one of those losses was to number two. Now, I know Tennessee was a loss to number eight. I get that. But it's just intriguing that they just sided Tennessee over Missouri, and I just don't know that I understand why necessarily.
1: I think the reason why is that I'm not sure they think it matters. I mean, I don't think there's any way either of them plays into what they're most concerned with. Uh, I, I don't think Tennessee, and e- even if they do beat Georgia, even if they do win this, see, they've got two losses, and there's a lot of folks that they would have to climb over. And and I would really think that everybody would have to lose at least a game, for them to be in that mix, wouldn't they? The SEC champion
0: not getting into the playoff would be absolutely insanity.
1: But, I mean, when has there been a two-loss SEC champion?
0: LSU? 07? It's got to be the last time,
1: right? Different format, right? Right. BCS.
0: There were only two teams back then. Of course, that was the wildest season in the
1: history of college Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean everybody lost the last weekend that year, right?
0: Everybody. Yeah. And so, I mean, this this kind of, you know, I don't think I think it sets up for a disaster for the SEC if if that were the case. The SEC team that gets in the top four is Ole Miss because Tennessee would beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, handing them a second loss and not being an SEC champion.
1: So then Alabama would have two losses. Tennessee would have two losses. Ole Miss would have one loss, theoretically. If they were to beat Georgia. And So they would
0: have to beat Georgia for Tennessee to be in the championship.
1: Right. So you think that they would take a team that did not even play in the SEC championship game? They've done it before. Alabama. But that wasn't the only SEC team they took.
0: No. But they've done it before. I'm telling you, man, I'm rooting for chaos so much. Oh, well, sure you are. I'm, I'm rooting for Oregon to beat Washington in the PAC-12 in the championship game, Florida to inexplicably beat Florida State, for Michigan to lose to Penn State but beat Ohio State, and everybody's got one loss. <laughs> It would be the most. It,
1: if that happens, because all I want if that see, happens, the college football playoff committee is going to send a hitman after you.
0: If that happens, Boo Corrigan has to walk out and say, "Can we start the 12-team playoff this year, please?" Now,
1: right now, like,
0: can we make that happen? Mm. Because how do you pick four? From by the way, maybe Louisville beats Florida State in the ACC championship game. Louisville's got a loss to pit. Not just a loss, a blowout. <laughs> this could be Madness. the most insane year since 07,
1: and I'm here for Well, this. here's the thing. It's already been such an insane college football season. I mean, why not?
0: No, I, I absolutely it's and it's so weird because you know we we've, we've said you know, if we're going to have madness, let's go all out. Yeah. What, unfortunately, we're not going to have all-out madness in conference championships, per se, because Ole Miss isn't going to make it. It's going to be Alabama and either Georgia or Tennessee, which for it to be Tennessee would be a little bit crazy, but really interesting because Alabama-Tennessee, neutral field, late in the year. I think it'd be fun to watch.
1: It'd be fun to that, watch. that
0: rivalry just taking up one notch Yeah, and you know, 50-50 crowd would be just a lot of fun. That being said, Washington would only have one loss in this scenario. Mm-hmm. That loss would be to a team they beat, Oregon. They would have beaten one another. Clearly the committee doesn't think that they're good enough, even undefeated, to be in the top.
1: I think if that happens, then they They're the Pac ten, Pac twelve, Pac two, whatever they are, gets eliminated.
0: And that's unfortunate because as we've said all year, they may be the most impressive conference to this point.
1: Yeah. But I, I think
0: But you can't lose to teams that lost to Mississippi State.
1: not if you want to play for a national championship you can't do was it who
0: was it that lost that was it iowa state beat somebody might have been uh it was like five and seven ohio uh, iowa state beat somebody
1: was it texas
0: it may have been but it was but that was what was keeping them you know out of the vcs it was like well don't lose to iowa state there you go and so you know inexplicable losses in opportune
7: crazy.
0: times. Yeah, absolutely. And Louisville, I mean, sitting at number 11, their loss is, like I said, to Pitt. To Pitt. Yeah. So. It is interesting. Again, we don't see James Madison on the list. Probably not going <laughs> to see James Madison on the list.
1: <laughs> Much to James Madison's consternation.
0: Um, I wanted to go down a little bit farther down this list, though. Because Tulane is the highest ranked G5 team. Mm -hmm. And Mississippi State has a win over the 21st ranked team in this thing. The last place team in the SEC West has a win over a ranked college football playoff team. And they said the SEC was bad. And by they I mean me. <laughs> right.
1: This is a little crazy. Well, again, I hate to keep saying it. And how is Iowa twenty two? What? I hate to keep saying it, but I just think I think everybody's bad.
0: Mid football everywhere, all year long. Yep. I mean, I think Iowa could win a game over a lot of these teams just because their defense is that good. They're certainly not going to score any points. No. But their defense is fantastic. Well, I mean, they might win two to nothing. Dubs a dub. Yeah. And, you know, unless you're Brian Fairness, then dubs not a dub
1: necessarily. <laughs> dubs don't matter.
0: I, I mean, but, yeah, you look at this thing, Oklahoma State, Two losses, one of them being the South Alabama, is 15th in the country. It's just it's, – it's, it's absurdity. It's really absurd.
1: At least Kansas is ahead of Oklahoma.
0: Well, and Oklahoma State ahead of Oklahoma and Kansas as well. And then, you know, it just – this just blows my mind, man, that after you get to – what, 17? I don't know. It just – it just feels like a big hodgepodge of anybody can beat anybody. And I think that's the anybody case. Anybody has beaten anybody. I think that's the case from top to bottom. I mean, if Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, if they
1: all played each other, who knows? Might be the most wide-open college football playoff we've had. I think so. Because I don't know that there is a clear-cut favorite.
0: I'd absolutely love to see it. Um, You and I were talking a little bit yesterday about – Michael Penix and the Heisman race. Let's take a look at what Fox has. They I don't know if they have them in, these in order. Mm-hmm. It appears that they have them in their order, which has Michael Penix Jr. at the top, Bo Nix right under that, and then J.J. McCarthy.
1: <laughs> Poor J.J. McCarthy.
0: And I don't know if you've seen Enemy of the Show Greg Doyle's tweets lately. <laughs>
1: I don't think he's enemy of the show. He's just mine. Just you. Yes.
0: Well, he's not coming back on the show. so
1: I might get him back on one day when you're off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he said that, that this situation should disqualify McCarthy from, being able, from, from, from eligibility. And I am curious your thoughts on that matter.
1: I think I'm going to take the same tact as the CFP. As long as nobody else rules Michigan out, I'm not. But, no, I, don't, I don't, you know, more than that, I don't know how much – how much has J.J. McCarthy benefited from this? Well, this is what I said. If you know what
0: coverage and you know there's a blitz coming, it makes reading a defense a lot easier. It makes knowing that you've got to get the ball out quicker a lot easier. It makes a lot of things a lot easier. Now, you still have to make the throws, but it's basically like making the throws against air.
1: Yeah, and and you know where the throws have to be made.
0: Well before they need to be made. So it it takes a lot of the read out of it. There's less read
2: involved.
0: (laughs) Right. And so I'm curious. you know, One, I don't think his numbers are anywhere close to – I never really.
1: I I never considered.
0: That was my thought. Was I didn't even know he was being considered.
1: I don't know why he's being considered. He shouldn't be. That is my. You know. But but I mean, I'm, I'm. He's not top five. He's Michael Panics, Daniels, Caleb Williams. I mean, as bad as USC has been, I don't I mean, think it's been on him. Just in, Jordan Travis.
0: Just in this list, Penix, Nick's, Travis, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's oh, four a, right a there. A non-quarterback? Come on now. Well, I mean, you you just you look at these numbers and holy cow, <laughs> you know, fifty-two catches, nine twenty-one, and ten touchdowns. I mean, you're looking at almost almost twenty yards catch. And so, I mean, it, you, you don't fantastic. think you
1: don't think a non quarterback going to win this. Day.
0: I don't. Um, you know, it's funny because people people have been complaining forever. Oh, it's just the best quarterback award. Well, you know, for 50 years, it was the best running back. award. You and know? now there's not a running
1: back to be found. Not anywhere close. Running I mean, back, it's what is that I mean, yeah, it's it's like the devaluation of the position has trickled down from the NFL. Yeah, I mean, which is unfortunate. Who is the best running back in
0: the, field? Uh, the kid from Ohio, from Oklahoma State, Ollie Thompson or whatever? He should be in the list, by the way. I mean, that dude's got like, I want to say, twelve hundred yards or something. That that guy's that guy's got got he's got an opportunity, I think, especially if they find themselves in. The Big 12 championship game. Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon. Yep. The second. And what do his numbers look like? 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, seven yards a carry. Seven yards a carry. Seven.
1: Seven and a half. It's a lot.
0: 7.4, to be exact. So, I mean, to me, He's got to be in the conversation. But well, I do think it's interesting that, you know, that Fox included Carson Beck and Jalen Milrow in this. Now, again, this is not a Heisman ranking. This is a Heisman watch. These are guys who who may have put themselves in the conversation this past week. I think Jalen Milrow did that.
1: It must be a long conversation, though, if either Jalen Milrow or Carson Beck is in it.
0: I would agree. I would agree with you there. I mean, Carson Beck, you know, 27 2,800 yards, 19 touchdowns doesn't really do it for you. He's
1: – he's he's the quarterback of an undefeated team, but he's nothing special.
0: Right. So, I think Ladd McConkey would be in the conversation before Beck.
1: And uh, <laughs> if Brock Bowers hadn't gotten hurt, he'd have been in the conversation before he one of them. Yeah, period. Yeah, so, so. –
0: I just I like to look at these things and, and kind of you know see who other people are talking about, but I think if I were and try
1: today, to figure out why.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if I were voting today, say what you. I, I'm taking Bo Nix number. You look at the numbers, and I'm sorry, but yes. He's 350 yards total yards behind Michael Penix, but he's got three more touchdowns and five fewer picks. He takes care of the ball. He scores more points. Total yards to me means nothing. I mean, it means a little bit. But how how much do you put your your team in a position to win? Mm-hmm. Wasn't his? Now again, Michael Penix did to to Oregon's defense what Bo Nix did to Wisconsin's defense or Washington's defense. I get that. But I think Bo Nix, to me, is the number one guy. I think Pennix is number two, and I think Travis is number three.
1: With a bullet. Um, Here's
0: the thing. Jordan Travis has Florida left. He's got Miami left. At home, Miami.
1: And he may not have had his husband moment yet.
0: That's what I'm saying. Watch out, because they got Miami at home this week. Mm-hmm. Then they um, go on the road to Florida in the final week of the year. And then the ACC championship game, where who knows what
1: happens? He's got opportunities, man. I think he. I, I really. I think it winds up being Penix and Travis. I don't. I don't know that. I think at some point Bo Nix is going to do something.
0: He's not done anything in two years. But that's the, the biggest issue is that a lot of people think that because of his time at Auburn. But to me, in his time at Oregon, he has completely erased all of the things that happened at Auburn because, to me, it just proves that what happened at Auburn wasn't, wasn't on Barry Because <laughs> just look at every quarterback who's come after him. It's not like they – that Bo Nix left and Auburn automatically, you know, got, better, got at better at quarterback. They right. certainly did not, yeah. and have not. Bo Nix, meanwhile, has turned into a Heisman caliber player.
1: Certainly in the conversation.
0: I think you got. I think you got to erase bad Bo out of your mind because he's not been that at any point at Oregon, and certainly not this year. But I think a lot of people think that. Yeah. let take a break. When we come back. Mm. Vanderbilt Presbyterian mm. we need to talk about it mm, got to talk about it so we will right after this on Main Street Sports today presented by Mid Tennessee bone and joint stick Mid Tennessee bone and joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
5: With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you No matter what's happening in the world or at your house.
0: Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
4: And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
7: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. That's
0: Welcome back here Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao, Maurice Patton. Uh, okay. Yeah. Could be any number of things.
1: Justin says, can't see y'all, which we, thanks, Justin. We just figured that out. You can't hear us. He can't hear us, but he can't see us. That oh. might be best for everybody involved. Actually.
0: No doubt. Uh, throw up the, the title card and we'll go from there.
8: There we
1: go.
0: I guess. But uh, audio only right now. As long as you can still hear us, we'll keep going for that and, and hope that that uh, internet... It corrects itself? ...gets better. So. Okay. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about Vanderbilt. The unspeakable? Because Chris Lee of Southeastern 14 tweeted that it may be the worst loss in Vanderbilt basketball history. I
1: don't think he qualified it. Well, he said it is. Yeah. I, uh, I, he didn't say maybe. Is he wrong? Is he right? I mean, I would defer to Chris if he his knowledge and depth of knowledge of Vanderbilt athletics is. To my mind, unparalleled, and so if he said that it is
0: i mean somebody talking,
1: else is going to have to prove him wrong to me
0: so we're we're talking about a team that went one in seventeen in conference play last year
1: and that one was and, and that one was before the beginning of the twenty twenty three calendar year. they had not won a game in twenty twenty three Presbyterian. Sheesh. They won five games all year and all five of those were prior to we in twenty twenty two. All all five of those were in twenty twenty two. Yes. Now that is that's tough because look, I mean worst loss in Vanderbilt basketball history, I don't see any way around that, was the tweet from at Chris Lee seventy.
0: Chris I don't even often, by the way. Oh, so he, for
1: Chris to go to Twitter and, and he doesn't tweet often, and he doesn't tweet. <laughs> he doesn't tweet BS. He doesn't say stuff for you know he. He's not a hot take guy. He doesn't no. say stuff waiting for the reaction. Yeah, it's not. It's not an engagement
0: tweet. No. it's not a clickbait tweet. It is a simply, this is, this is what it looked like to me. And, you're talking about a team that was 315th in Ken Palm. That is out of three hundred and twenty eight teams or three twenty three. Used to be three twenty three. I was giving myself some leeway as to maybe they added some over the last couple of years.
1: Uh, they probably have added some over the years. But but it's at
0: least three twenty three. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. It ain't many more teams
1: than Pres- yeah.
0: lower than Presbyterian. Yeah. This is Grambling on steroids. Yeah, I mean Grambling was in the top two hundred. I think they were one eighty-five. So this is this this is by far the worst loss of the Jerry Sackhouse era, no question. And it has to make you wonder, and we wondered this all all all, all non conference season last year, how long is the Jerry Sackhouse era, era going to be?
1: Well, because here's here's the thing. If he's going, he's taking some lovely parting gifts. Because he got extended last year, he did get
0: extended, and and
1: three hundred and sixty. Wow, that's a lot
0: more than I thought.
1: Houston Christian is the worst.
0: We were talking about them. When were we talking about them? We, we uh, I
1: think it was football.
0: It was football, but yeah. I don't remember yeah. <laughs> who it was that we were talking about them with. But yeah, that's. Here's the thing. After last season,
1: thought he deserved an extension. Yeah, after the way they closed, I mean, there were those who were irritated that Vanderbilt didn't get more consideration for a um, NCAA tournament bid at the end oh, of last I, year.
0: I thought we were among those who thought they should get an NCAA tournament bid. I mean, they, we were close. So we, we knew that they were on the bubble, we thought.
1: Pres, at, at Presbyterian, progress. by the way, got a 35-spot bounce in Ken Palm as a result oh, of we're into the 200s. that victory. 280. And
0: I had something. And I mm. forgot.
1: You lost it? I did.
0: Completely lost it.
1: It'll come back to.
0: Perhaps. But, you know, Jerry, here's the question. Mm-hmm. Can Jerry Stackhouse not recruit to Vanderbilt? Or can Jerry Stackhouse not coach? And I think it's the former, and I'll tell you why.
1: You think it's that he can't recruit
0: to Vanderbilt? Correct. Because they were down three starters last night. Now, your second five should be able to beat Presbyterian.
1: Number 315 five. in the Ken well, Palm. In the SEC, your
0: second five ought to be able to win. But it couldn't. Now, you give them their top three guys back. You give them those three, those three guys who played who, who were injured last night and did not play. I don't know if they're the top three guys, but they're starters, and 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 they probably win the game. And Vanderbilt's probably going to win some games this year because they're those those guys are playing. But in the Southeastern Conference, you've got to have depth, and I'm not sure how much depth they have past three or four. Hmm. Because guys are transferring to LSU or
1: wherever else. Wherever else. I mean, you felt like when Jordan Wright left that that was going to be a issue. I didn't feel like it was going to be an issue opening night.
0: No. So that's, that's kind of – that's the big question right now because – at this point you kind
1: of have to ride it out oh yeah right yeah I mean I don't I don't think Vanderbilt can make a move there don't know you what you, yeah I don't know what you do if you do if
0: not him who but there's no question that Vanderbilt basketball has fallen off and you know obviously had a Decent season last year, but well, for, they but wound up
1: the, with a decent season. I mean, again, Grambling.
0: But over the Jerry Stackhouse era, they could miss the tournament. This would be the fifth time in his in in his tenure. This is not Vanderbilt basketball that you certainly know to be Vanderbilt basketball. Sure. And Vanderbilt basketball fans. I mean, obviously, pre-baseball success, this is what they look forward to. Mm -hmm. This is where they made their bones in the SEC. This is where they said, hey, we're a great basketball school. Who cares what happens on the football field? Now that's not the case. Now they're embarrassing you in basketball, too. And that's just the facts. Look, uh, I'm not uh, trying to disparage Vanderbilt here, but the fact is that they lost to Presbyterian.
1: They lost to a 300-ranked Pom team, and next they have South Carolina Upstate coming in on Friday night, and I'm trying to see where they are. It can't be great.
0: Can you control F to find them? <laughs> Try to type it in, because you're not going to – I mean –
1: you got a scam for a while. That's for sure. I mean,
0: that's the thing is, where do they where do they come in? Yeah, I
1: don't even know where to look to be honest. Um, so, and you said South
0: Carolina upstate.
1: Upstate. Man. Oh, there they are. You want to guess?
0: I'm gonna guess two fifty six. Man, I don't know then.
1: Two ninety eight. Two ninety eight.
0: So they're pushing three hundred. Mm mm-hmm. They're better than Presbyterian.
1: Lost their opener. To let's see if we can figure out who they lost to. Nope. Because it requires a twelve month subscription for twenty one ninety five. I don't hey, want to know that bad. <laughs> well, I can
0: tell you real quick. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be South Carolina upstate lost to. Yeah, Clemson. No, okay. this is last year. Is this last year? <laughs> this is last year. Let's go back. South Carolina, 82 53. So it was, you know, 29 points.
1: And they're not very good either. No, they're not. I mean, South Carolina, not, right. Not Etsy upside well, yeah. yeah, Yeah, both. <laughs> both. But I meant South Carolina's yeah, not South very Carolina's good. And they good, beat they them by 29. Won, yeah,
0: they still won by 30. So this
1: is, I mean,. Clearly, you know, and what's crazy is after they got left out of the, left out of the NCAAs last year, that, that Stackhouse made the comment that we just got to beat the hell out of everybody in non-conference
0: next year. Well, that's not going to go so well.
1: Presbyterians said not so fast, my friend. So.
0: It doesn't get easier, though, because UNC Greensboro is good, mm-hmm. as is Central Arkansas. And then they've got to go take on NC State and either BYU or Arizona out in Vegas. they better figure it out and figure it out quick. That's all I can tell them.
1: Because
0: um, he went out and made the most viable non-conference schedule you could probably make. Greensboro, Central Arkansas, Boston College is not a great ACC team. Alabama, A&M, San Francisco... Texas Tech, Western Carolina, then you got to go to Memphis, which is a tough one, and then Dartmouth to end. That's not a murderer's row non-conference schedule. Middle Tennessee State's non-conference schedule is tougher.
1: Hmm.
0: Stackhouse is in trouble. He's got he, he's got to figure it out today. Today.
1: But again, I don't know how much trouble he's in. I mean, he's in trouble in the court of public opinion. He's sure. in trouble with the Vanderbilt fan base. I'm not sure how much trouble he is in on the Vanderbilt campus. Again, because if not him, who?
0: Why not Candace Story Lee at this point? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I can tell you who would be a great coach, and he wouldn't have to go far to get him. I don't know if he'd go, but he's just down the street, literally down the street, like two miles away. I'm listening. Casey Alexander.
1: That's interesting.
0: And you're talking about a guy who took Belmont to potentially, you know, it was right up to an MVC title
1: in the Valley. In year one. So I was thinking about this because I was thinking about Darren Horn, former Western Kentucky,
2: mm-hmm.
1: former South Carolina and current Northern Kentucky coach. Um, I guess he's next at Eastern Kentucky. I don't know. <laughs> um You know, he was he was the hot shot coming out of Western. He took the South Carolina job. It didn't go well. You have to take those jobs when they come, though, right? I mean, if you are if you are at a if you're at a look at my Jones. (laughs) Yeah, apparently you can always go back. Yeah. When you're at a mid-major like that and a power five comes calling, you almost got to take that job. You have to. I mean, you owe it to your family.
0: Generational money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The money that you're talking about there, I mean, worst case scenario, you don't hit it. You do get fired, but you don't have to work again.
0: But you certainly can because somebody's going to hire you at the mid-major level because you were successful everywhere you were in the mid-major level.
7: Right.
1: So... So i am gotta do it. But how do you sell maybe maybe Vanderbilt could sell Casey Alexander because maybe Vanderbilt's fan base recognizes what he's done at you know Lipscomb. at Lipscomb at Belmont. Belmont, maybe you know, hometown kid, that kind of thing. It might be a little easier to sell than another mid major coach. Well, That's-
0: this coach had no experience.
1: At the collegiate level.
0: At the collegiate level. So that would be better than, <laughs> that would be better than, wouldn't it?
2: <laughs> well then, yes, yes. Wow.
0: Oh man, let's take a break. We're way over the break time and Terry McCormick is probably clamoring to get in. So. Terry is probably
1: clamoring to come in and, and so Heather her. Williams might be, yeah, we might be getting a backup. Let's, uh,
0: <laughs> well, let's get to Terry right after this. Stick her in. we go. Welcome back in. Main Street Sports Network presented by Mid-Tennessee Born and Joint. Oh, man. I'm trying to get situated with uh, Wi-Fi. And I think, hey, I think we're back. I think we are. So, Terry Woo. McCormick standing by with today's Titan Report. Terry, how are you?
8: I'm good. And it is your Daily Titans Report, and it's brought to you, as always, by Zen Sports. Guys, today was the uh, official passing of the baton, so to speak, as uh, both Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill spoke to the media and talked about the change in the the quarterback position and uh, each of their responsibilities and roles going forward. Uh, Interesting, you know, Ryan Tannehill was consummate pro, as you would expect, you know, obviously disappointed that the decision was made, but pledged his support to Will Levis in terms of answering questions and being able to provide information and help him out uh, any way he can. Uh, Levis was, you know, very humble, very grateful for what, you know, saying that Tannehill was, you know, that they had a really good relationship and that this wouldn't change just because there'd been a switch in the starter. Terry, what is Tannehill's health status right now? Well, he said that he's getting closer but i don't think he's going to be the backup on sunday when they go to tampa bay he may make the trip uh, and be there as a sounding board and whatnot but uh he said that you know he's still not back to where he needs to be there was a big tape big wrap on his right ankle and he was still a little bit ginger uh in terms of the way he was uh, throwing and, and going through the drills and whatnot while we were out there uh it's also interesting that uh you know they generally do the drills in the order of what string they are. So Malik Willis actually went second and Tannehill went third today. So that probably is a sign right there that Tannehill is not ready to be the the top backup uh, with that ankle still bothered.
1: So that said, Tannehill likely not available for this weekend. Does that make the announcement a little bit more surprising. I mean, I would have thought that Vrabel would have just milked the, you know, Tannehill's not available. So it doesn't really matter one way or the other yet. You know, I I just, until Tannehill was available, I would not have expected there to be a pronouncement along these lines.
8: I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, normally under these circumstances, I think he would probably milk it for everything that it could uh, in terms of, you know, not giving away a so-called competitive advantage and, uh, you know, letting people know who your starter is. But uh, it sounds like that, you know, they did did some, you know, thinking on it and some soul searching on it in terms of where this team is. And they decided over the weekend that it would be better, I guess, just to go ahead and make the switch official. Go with Levis going forward. Uh, He said that uh, he informed both guys, I guess, Monday uh, of when the decision was made and then the rest of the team on Tuesday. So at least this way, it's not something that's hanging over the team's head. They know that starting now, Will Levis is their guy, and he will be for the foreseeable future.
0: Well, I think it's better – Better sooner than later. You might as well get it out of the way if that's what if that's the way you feel. And clearly that's the way they feel. So nothing yeah. nothing more to say about it. At this point, you just got to you, you ride with it and, and and take it one game at a time and see how it goes. Do you think there's a short leash, or do you think Will Levis is going to be
8: able to make mistakes? No, I think he's the guy. I think he's the guy for the rest of the year as long as he's healthy. I don't think there's any going back. You know, I mean, I I could be wrong. He could come out and, you know, complete six of 20 and throw four interceptions and maybe they would rethink it. But I think they're going to, you know, that's what it would take. Live and die with this guy going forward.
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, they have pretty much, I think in saying this and in everything else that they have said and done up to this point, uh, it, it feels like, that they have indicated that Malik Willis isn't a factor. So, I mean, even if he does go six of 20 with, what did you say, four interceptions, uh, yeah. I think he's probably still the guy, just from the standpoint that he well, – ten
0: Tannehill's available.
1: Not this weekend.
0: Well, I, I'm talking just at any point.
1: Yeah, but uh, – yeah. But even at that, though, I mean, if you – I think you've got to let this guy make mistakes uh, because every rep is – you know, another rep for a guy who didn't have any coming into this season. I, I just think you got to let him play and live with it. Sure.
8: I mean, so here's, here's my way of thinking about it. I mean, I think this is your guy for the rest of this year and all of next year. And then if he hasn't shown the progress, you know, next year, then you can either go back in the draft or go to free agency or, you know, if, mid, if mid-year if next year he's terrible, maybe Malik Willis has learned enough to get another shot by then. So, you know, but I think it is now Will Levis's time, and it's going to be his opportunity to seize this job for the next, not just the rest of this year, but the next several years, if his play dictates that he should be. Any update on
0: left tackle?
8: Yeah, gonna he's going to need a left point. tackle. You know, um I mean, right good. now the signs are pointing to Andre Dillard still being that guy for this game, but uh you know, hey, <laughs> is what it is.
0: <laughs> At some point I'm gonna need one of you guys to print off the the all Americans from last year and put it on the podium before and <laughs> highlight the left tackle position and put it on the podium before Mike Brable steps to it because clearly he's not oh paid attention and and doesn't know what he's got so anyway I that's I not want to get into that that's anyway this is why I'm glad I'm not in the Titans press corps Terry tell us about Zen Sports all right gladly
8: you know unlike the left tackle position for the Titans Zen sports is here to stay (laughs) hey Nashville you've been hearing me ask about Zen Sports and that's the new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months. I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to $1,000, no danger, first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports, you can be reimbursed for that the amount of your bet up to a bet of $1,000 maximum if the bet loses. And there's even more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. The new rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is invite only, so if you feel that Zen Sports, your, your play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premiere sports betting experience with a 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet.
0: Got
7: that radio voice I do. It's a good sounding. Yes.
1: radio too. I <laughs> As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So and we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee. Coach? Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving, you gotta love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> I'm glad someone.
0: We are back here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bonin Joint, Chris Yao, Maurice Patton, live from the Lee Company studio here at the Factory in Columbia, where Savia Morgan will host a signing ceremony. She gets set to take her talents to Knoxville, looking forward to watching her play as as a collegiate athlete, but also as a senior basketball and softball player at Columbia Central High School here in Columbia. So a lot of great things happening. If you missed any part of our interview with her earlier, make sure to go back and check that out. It would be worth your time. But right now, Mo, it's time to talk a little NASCAR, and we'll go to the land of King Tornadoes in Bristol.
1: She can tell us about We're the King <laughs> University tornadoes. Um, Heather Williams joining us as she does most Wednesdays. Heather, um, tell Chris, educate Chris on I, King I'm University. I'm very
0: confused about this King University and tornadoes.
1: What's,
9: what's the confusion? I've no, the, the just just, so ma- never general. heard...
0: Okay, so I'd never heard of the school until today the TSWA player of the week in volleyball comes from King, and then Mo tells me that their nickname is the Tornadoes, and I'm just thinking that a King tornado was probably the scariest thing I've ever heard of in my life.
9: Perhaps. Well, Mo probably is very familiar with them because they are an absolute wrestling powerhouse, especially in women's wrestling. Um, they have finished first or second in the national champion for women's wrestling. I don't know, eight, nine, ten years in a row, something like that. They had multiple multiple Olympians, including a young lady that finished third in the most recent Olympics. So that's really what they're known for. Their men's basketball team was was good for a while until um, George Pitts retired. They haven't been as good since he retired as their head coach. Um, he he's a longtime coach at Science Hill, if you remember. And, um, yeah, what else you need to know about King? It's it's, so, it's like five – it's a, literally a mile and a half from our station, so it's really easy for me to cover. <laughs>
1: okay, so they're in Johnson City then.
9: No, they're in c- c- not-
1: Bristol. Oh, okay, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I-, I could I not remember it. which of the Tri-Cities it was in, but I knew it was in the Tri-Cities, <laughs> so yeah.
9: Yep, East Bristol, Tennessee, Tennessee State
0: nearly got the b- upset last night, didn't they, in women's basketball, speaking of women's They students. did.
9: They were tied at 50 after three quarters. They led at the half against Kentucky. Now, this is an East Tennessee State women's team that um, returns every player but one from a team last year that won 28 games instead of a school record. So um, they should be this far along. Um, I think they're going to be really good this year.
1: Wow. wow. 28 games? Yes. Okay, and returning
9: everybody—that's—that's that's, um, correct.
1: That's that's
9: Kendall. I think that's pretty grad, good. Yeah, they lost one grad uh, transfer that played one year with us. She was pretty big piece. I mean, she averaged, uh, you know, double digit scoring. But I mean, they have everybody else back.
0: Kendall Volley out of Justin's Lebanon Blue Devils, oh. or maybe she played it. She might have played somewhere else. Yeah, she's from Lebanon. She might have played at Friendship. I don't know. Yeah, but Kendall Folly had twenty-two last night. In yeah, ball. and she's a baller. Sure.
9: She's she's an absolute. She's uh probably I would say one of the favorites for preseason conference player of the year. She's she's point guard. She scores. Um, she's the like the spiritual leader of the group. She's she's a really good player.
0: Gotcha. Oh, lied. Lebanon, Ohio.
1: Oh, wrong Lebanon! It
0: just said Lebanon on where I was looking. Oh, oh, yeah,
1: there that that Lebanon. Big
0: difference. Played in
1: Oakland and Lebanon, Ohio. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's talk a little NASCAR because out of left field, out of nowhere, Ryan Blaney comes in to sneak in and get a championship when he was probably the last person we were talking about in the round of 12.
9: Yeah. I mean, when the playoffs started, he was not on the radar, but he got hot at Talladega, and he was the absolute hottest driver going into the Final Four. Talked about it a little bit last week. I mean, I thought that the favorite was probably Christopher Bell. I mean, not Christopher Bell, uh, Kyle Larson, but that I wouldn't be surprised if Blaney won it just because that team was – clicking on all cylinders. And, um, I mean, they showed it. Uh, they, you know, dominated at Martinsville, and they ran really well. They didn't have to win, and they didn't win, Ross won, which that's the first time that's ever happened, that a driver, different than the championship driver, has won the Ooh, race. Got two but, burnouts. Yes, you did get two burnouts. Um, I hadn't seen that since uh, Tony Stewart's last race at, at Bristol, when Kevin Harvick won, and they did dual burnout sex with each other as owner and, and driver. But um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really exciting. And I think the thing that's really interesting about Ryan Blaney is myself and a, a lot of other members of the media think that Ryan Blaney could actually be like the breakout star and the most popular driver in the sport. If he could just find some success, if he could start winning on a consistent basis. And so I think this could actually be like the building blocks for him, Competing with Chase to be the most popular driver, to be the face of the sport, because he is um, not to disparage Chase, but he's got a little bit more like outgoing personality. He does TV shows. He does things outside of racing that Chase doesn't really like to do. He's kind of a private guy. So there's an opportunity for NASCAR to market Ryan more aggressively than they have been able to to do Chase because he's just more outgoing, more willing to do those kinds of things.
8: Well
0: you know again not the most entertaining race per se if there wasn't a championship on the line for sure but but i think that sometimes a lot of we get a little too caught up in 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 other aspects of the uh, i guess of the race when sometimes the focus being on just the championship four makes it an entertaining race. And maybe that's why Phoenix is the perfect place for the championship, because it gives Phoenix a purpose.
9: <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that they're making some strides in the short track tech program. So I think the racing will get better. Um I actually really think that they should still be in Homestead because I think that's the best racing, and I think that you still want to have some of that, and it's a track where um, most of the really good drivers are good at, so it's a lot like there's not, you're not I'm not a good short good drive, track driver, or I'm not a good super speedway driver, um, you, you know, everybody's pretty equal on the track like Homestead, so it does make it a little more entertaining uh, in my opinion, but There was still tons of drama on Sunday because, uh, you know, Christopher Bell has an issue. He goes out. Then the other three are basically, at times in the race, throw a blanket on them, just back and forth, back and forth, up and down. And so it was really fun to kind of just, you know, pick your favorite guy and try to will him to the victory.
0: Fun indeed. The year ends, and now the next thing on the list is a trip to Nashville, which everybody is always excited for. I'm sure.
1: And uh,
0: I'm excited for it. Well, every everyone, why would you not want to, you know,
1: everybody we, wants to come to Nashville.
0: Why right? would you not want to be within, you know, earshot of us? That's well, exactly.
9: I, I'm, ex- so, I'm expecting a dinner or a lunch out of this trip. I'm, 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 I'm hoping probably.
0: that we can find our way to downtown. at some point,
1: we got to get that figured out. Um, yeah, Cause it's closer than you think
0: it is. Yeah. so, that being said though, you know, as we go into the offseason, what is the number one thing NASCAR is is gonna be focusing on? Is it continuing to, you know, mess with the
9: short track stuff or is it what? Well, I mean, improving the short track racing will be a big thing. Both Ford and Toyotas will have new bodies for next year. So I think that'll be really interesting to see, you know, what kind of improvements or changes that makes to the to the race teams um, in general. Uh, as the sanctioning body, you know, we talked about Ryan Blaney and the marketing a little bit. I think that in his state of the sport event, Steve Phelps talked about really marketing these drivers more and getting them out there more. Because, um, you know, there is a little bit of a changing of the guard. You know, the guys that have been the face of this sport, they're starting to retire. They're on the back end of their career. You know, there's no more Kevin Harvick starting next year. Martin Truex Jr. is on a one-year contract. Eric Almorola's is now retired allegedly although at this time last year we thought he was retired as well so who knows he may be back for another season um you know Denny Hamlin's getting up there uh Kyle Bush is the longest tenured driver in the garage area even though he's not the oldest because he started at like 18 years old or something like that but um you know they need these new faces to step up and um you know help grow the sport and I think you know I talked about Chase being a private guy, but there are certainly guys out there that have the personality to help drive it. I mean, Ryan is one, Ross is one, Bubba is one, Suarez is one. If these guys can, can start to build on the success that they found in the last couple of years, then I think the next generation of stars are, is right there in front of us and we don't have much to worry about. But, you know, there is a little bit of concern just because there doesn't seem to be the guy that, that clicks all the boxes i mean the closest would be lars kyle larson but you know he's very difficult for nascar to market because he's involved in so many things other than just nascar he's going to run indycar he's going to run he's got his own racing series that's going full time next year um to compete with uh, world of outlaws um on the sprint car circuit so you know he's not maybe the guy just because he's too related to too many different types of motorsports. So um, I think that may be their biggest focus is just trying to find that next face of the sport. I think we lost the guys. I um, think
2: we did. Can you hear me?
9: I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry about that. Uh, here they are. No, it's
9: okay.
1: are. Yep.
2: Yeah. There.
9: Hey guys.
1: Hey, hey. Nice, nice to see you. Welcome back.
9: Yes,
1: <laughs> or, or welcome us back.
9: Yeah,
1: yeah. You were saying, Heather?
9: I was just talking about how I think the biggest, the biggest focus is just finding the next, the next big, big thing, the best next face of the sport. I think is when it all boils down. That's the, that's the probably the biggest focus for NASCAR. Uh, not just in the off season, but just do, kind of moving forward.
0: Do you expect Chase Elliott to once again win most popular
9: driver? This year, I do. I, I do. Um, but I think it'll be closer than it has been. I think, you know, like, I, 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 I don't know how much of what, what I said you heard, but I think Ryan Blaney has the potential yeah. to eventually knock him off. But I think, you know, this year it will probably still be Chase, yes. He's still he's still easily among NASCAR drivers, the most popular driver, but they're looking for that guy that can be the next Jeff Gordon, the next guy that, you know, or Dale Earnhardt Jr., the guy that's known outside of NASCAR circles.
1: Is that guy out there?
9: I think that Bubba or or Ryan Blaney or Larson or Chaser Ross, I think those guys all have the potential to be uh, that guy. I think Bubba is probably the most when you talk about name recognition is probably the most recognizable outside of the sport. Uh, Here's know.
1: the thing though. Now, let, let me let the big difference in name recognition and face of the sport. I would think. Is NASCAR ready for Bubba Wallace to be their face?
9: Well, I guess it depends on which segment of NASCAR you're talking about. I think. No, I'm talking
1: um, I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about an unsegmented NASCAR.
9: Probably not everybody is, but you know, the thing is, is that not everybody in NASCAR wanted, wanted Jeff Gordon to be the face. You know, that just kind oh, of I'm happens saying. or Yeah, that does kind of happens organically. I mean, uh Gail mm-hmm. Earnhardt when he was alive was, you know, the face of his generation. And I mean, more people hated him than liked him when he was alive. Let's, I mean, that's, that's, that's just the way it was. And, you know, True I story. think, I mean, I think really even the King had people that were, you know, David Pearson guys that hated him. So, I mean, it's never going to be completely uh, united, but I just think that, you know, probably Blaney and Bubba have the best chance and maybe, the duo of them together, since they are good, such good friends, because they have, if they can continue their upward trajectory on the on-track success, along with their personality, then just willing to do different things out in the community and and outside the realm of NASCAR, I think those two drivers are probably the best two fits for that. that. But someone else may come along and may blow them all out of the water.
0: Hmm. Average viewers on television for auto racing
2: okay.
0: number eight bristol dirt yes it's now gone
9: it is we might get bristol bristol snow this year though
0: now if <laughs>
9: if you are a nascar
0: executive does that Cause for concern or was it just a lot of logistics that they just did that the return wasn't worth it
9: well i actually asked a version of this question to ben kennedy when we when they had the schedule release um for nascar uh a couple of weeks ago and you know ben basically said he thinks that they just kind of felt like the dirt at bristol had run its course um you know there were a lot uh, of things, <laughs> well, there were a lot of things going in its favor, but I don't know that it, they, 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 they didn't rule out returning to the dirt somewhere, probably not Bristol. But I think when they weighed the logistics of moving the dirt in and out, cleaning the track, um, racing on Easter in Bristol, which went over like in person, even though the crowds were better than the spring race before, because I still think there was some novelty to it, um, they were decreasing every year. Uh, cause the novelty was starting to wear off. And I, I just, I also think that because they had to move Bristol's spot on the date, a uh, date on the, on the, uh, calendar this year, because of all the pushing around the tracks they did for the Olympics and, and other things that, um, it was going to make it hard, I think, for them to get the dirt done because it does. They basically start working on that dirt and transforming that track in November, and it takes until March to get that done. So it, I think it was going to be a very difficult turnaround for them to do that with the earlier date as well. So there were a lot of logistics, but I don't think that we've seen the last of dirt in NASCAR, but we may have seen the last of dirt at Bristol.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, that's some interesting insight and perspective. Uh just I just meant I just kind of saw this ratings 1 through 188 of auto racing average viewers of television and the only non-cup race in the top 37 was the indy 500 yeah Hmm. now that being said i'm gonna throw this at you the fall bristol race is number 42 with only 1.5 million viewers behind the xfinity race in daytona the xfinity race in michigan the xfinity race in road america
9: well, is I will say this problem? about the fall well, – no, it's not, because uh, there's a couple of things that work against that fall Bristol race. First of all, the attendance – College football. Awesome. Yes, college football is a big one. It's a Saturday <laughs> night race during college football, and it was on that's USA Network. Silly. Why would you and do that? Why? That's <laughs> silly. Um, well, it's going to be – it's always going to be a Saturday night race. It's considered sure. one of the – one of the crown jewels by most drivers in the sport Um, and they want it in the playoffs. So it's kind of unavoidable Um, uh, when you, when you do that. Um, But it it, it continues to be a race that draws very well in person. There's over a hundred thousand people that continue to come to that race every, every year. So um, I think that they're less worried about that. It's a reason it's on USA and not on, the big channel, and I think it's because they're not that worried about the ratings for the Bristol Night Race.
0: Well, again, interesting and great perspective. I appreciate you bringing that because I, I just again, I, I I don't like to watch sports like a TV executive, but <laughs> I do know that it makes deci- I do know that that you know executives make decisions based off of TV viewers, and so I wanted to know if that you know was a there concern. Are, but
9: no, there are probably I don't know. Five or six races on the schedule that will probably never change. Um, the dates may fluctuate a couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there, but we're always gonna have the Daytona five hundred, we're always gonna have probably folks races at Talladega, we're gonna have two races at Martinsville, we're gonna have the Bristol Night race, we're gonna have Darlington and those and, and Darlington on Labor Day. And those races will probably never change.
0: North Woodsboro got paved today. It did
9: get paved, yeah. They started, so, it, and it that's looks it looks great, yeah. I, um, it, it does. And the, the things that they've done to try to, you know, fix the racing because as far as it was to be back there last year, the racing was terrible. Um, <laughs> but they've done some things with the paving. They put to, uh, just a small bit of banking in the turns, uh, added banking, and done some things with the pavement to help it uh, drive like a worn-out track quicker or wear out quicker it's kind of the same technology they added to um to uh Atlanta when they repaved it but even better according to Steve Swift who's in charge of that um for speedway motorsports so um you know they're hoping to see a big jump in the raciness of that track you know starting with this year's also race thank
0: you should be a great off season looking forward to more and I'm sure we will talk to you at some point during the off season, but until the next time, thank you. Well,
1: we will as, probably talk to her as we get closer to this NASCAR event. And, yeah, right. so
9: yeah, maybe, uh, hopefully hope. in person. Yeah, we should yeah. try. To, we should try to do that for uh, for uh, the NASCAR uh, banquet for sure.
1: We got to get something figured out. Yeah, <laughs> Heather Williams, our NASCAR analyst, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Heather. Thank you so much. and uh, Oh, um, can't let you get away without the latest on Evan Carter, lighting the Christmas tree in Elizabethton, right?
9: Yes, next Saturday uh, night, he will not light the Elizabethton Christmas tree. He and his wife will be in town to do that. So uh going to try to go out there and catch up with Evan. I haven't talked to Evan since he was a junior in high school. So uh, other people at my station have, but I haven't talked to him since then. So. I'm excited. I think a few things have changed since uh since the last time I talked to him.
1: Seems a couple, maybe. Yeah. Yeah,
9: just yeah. just a few. Oh. <laughs>
1: that that should be fun. Um look forward to hearing from you on that as well. But thanks a lot. We'll catch up with you.
9: Yeah, talk to you guys later.
1: All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh who knows? So well, we we got We got something to talk about. It's just a matter of whether you want to talk about it. I don't really want to talk
0: about
1: it. But we have a
0: little Braves chatter ish.
1: I'm I'm not really fond of the subject, but
0: we probably should. We should probably talk about it. So stick around. Main Street Sports today. A little Braves chatter right after this. Mockingbird Title and Escrow is an attorney-owned and operated full-service title company in Middle Tennessee. We get your deals closed without worry and fuss. We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
4: And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
7: Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our Ortho Quick Walk-in Clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: Welcome back to Main Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow. Maurice Patton here with you on this fine Wednesday as it is a beautiful day. You look outside, great, great weather. Could not have asked for better. It
1: it got a little less fine about 30 minutes ago, though.
0: Well, the, yeah, the, the topics of the day have changed. And, you know, I'm happy and sad mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah. Because... The some of the biggest names in in baseball reporting are saying that Ron Washington will be the next manager for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Is that still a thing? Uh,
1: I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but the California Angels. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not the California Angels. Um, They should
0: be. It's a great look. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I am. Like you said, definitely mixed emotions. I mean, it's um, happy for him if this is what he wants. I don't know why he wants that job. And I'll be interested to hear, you know, over the next couple of days what the comments are as far as that goes, because it doesn't seem like a very promising situation. You know, Mike Trout has been injured more than he's played the last two or three years. Shohei Otani is probably not going to be back on. in 24 and if he is he's not going to be on the mound um and i i don't know i don't know It's um it's a, it seems like a and, weird situation for and, a guy of his uh, talents resume talent and maturity yeah well i mean <laughs> they were also considering buck Showalter apparently and my thing is if you want buck then why do you want wash i mean i I don't. I, I'm hoping. I guess I'm thinking that they
0: want a a veteran presence to, you know, to bring those young guys into the league and and have have someone that's you know very respected by the entire baseball community. Having someone who, you know, who's been to the World Series, won some, you know, won a World Series, and you know before this year was the only person to take Texas to the ALCS or the World Series, you know, I mean, it, you get a lot with Ron Washington. Certainly you can see why the Angels would want to have him. I just don't understand why he would want to have the Angels.
1: That's that's my question. It just yeah.
0: doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, if you want to manage, you want to manage. Yeah. And it is what it is.
1: Um. But, again, happy for him if this is what he wants. And clearly it is, Ryan <laughs> – Managed Texas for four years. Took them to, like you said, two World Series um, in um, 10 and 11. Came up short both times. But um, 664 wins in his eight years over there. 52% um, winning percentage. I mean, had some success, obviously. Um, Left there was coaching, coached with his. Former team, the Oakland A's. No, he never played for Oakland. Well according to his wiki, he didn't play for him. I thought I remembered him as a player there. But he coached with the A's, coached with the Mets, and finally wound up in Atlanta where he's been third base coach and infield infield coach for since the seventeen season. So and is absolutely beloved.
0: And and will certainly be missed, you know, with the work that he did with the, those infielders. It was, you know, always, especially with the young guys and Vaughn Grissoms and, you know, that it, it was invaluable, yeah. you know, the, the, the level of, I guess, improvement that you saw from the infield was almost all, always chalked up mm-hmm. to Ron Washington. So that leaves a pretty gaping hole on the Braves' coaching staff.
1: Leaves a couple of gaping holes. I mean, at third base and in terms of your infield. coach.
0: And, and you would think that they would try to somehow kill two birds with one stone. Wouldn't you think? Well, or do you I, just move somebody from first and you move EY?
1: I think Walt Weiss is probably your infield coach. I think that's that the sense. easy. I think that's the he's easy. He's current baseball coach. There. Yeah, he's bench coach. Bench coach. Yeah. Um, you Speaking know.
0: of, uh, Don Mattinger has been promoted to offensive coordinator for wherever he is.
1: I didn't even realize he was Blue Jays, so, I think. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought
0: that was an interesting title. Offensive coordinator <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. baseball. But, yeah, Walt
1: Weiss makes sense. Um, you know, I think you mentioned it in passing the other day. Is, um, did David Ross come back?
0: Well, and I think that would be huge. I think that would be a great third-base coach. And if nobody else wants him, which I don't know why nobody else would want him. I mean, I think he would be a great fit in San Diego. It'd be a great fit in Houston. There, are, there are places where he would fit. Now, does he want to manage? Does he want to deal with all the crap that he had to deal with? And you know, it, it would be great if he. would be pretty funny if he went to Milwaukee. <laughs> but you know.
1: That would be funny. Uh, they just traded. <laughs> he
0: could have just traded, but yeah, I, I'm interested. I'll be interested to see where Grandpa Rossi ends up.
1: So um yeah it's um like you said huh? I I love it and I hate it I and mean, I I I love the thought of Wash being able to manage again I hate that we're losing him I, I more than that I hate that he's going there I, I just don't know I just don't know that that team affords him the best opportunity to be successful I've
0: got I mean,
1: and how did they finish this past year?
0: Well, they were, you know, they were. They thought they were in the playoff race at the All Star break and or at the trade deadline and did not make any moves and see what happened. Mm-hmm. So I guess they were on the cusp at least for a time last year. But they also had Shohei Ohtani, and they don't have Shohei they don't Ohtani. Have, right but I assume you get Mike Trout back next year.
1: Or whatever that's worth.
0: For however long you get him.
1: Uh, in, until he gets hurt
0: again. You know, that's what somebody asked what I tried to say about Charlie Morton and picking up his option. They said, well, you know, you, you pay Charlie $20 million for what he's able to do, you know, in the postseason. I said, well, that's, you know, assuming he's able to pitch in the postseason. Now, I know that we kind of blundered,
1: we did kind of blunder the,
0: the roster management, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway because we still wouldn't have scored. But, but I would almost be in favor of pitching Morton after the all star break only, just give him off to the all star break and then <laughs> let him pitch and ramp up to the playoffs. That way, you get you know, you get prime Morton, middle of the year Morton in October. I'm in. <laughs> Let's go.
1: Angels were 73 and 89 fourth. In the five-team AL West, but they
0: weren't there all, all all season. I mean, they were in the wild card race. Well,
1: they must have collapsed. They did.
0: They did. They collapsed.
1: They were 17 games behind the Astros and Rangers, who tied for the AL West title at 90 and 72. Seattle, 88 and 74. The Athletics, 50 and 112. So, certainly closer to. Well, no. They're not closer to the bottom than the top. I'll take that back. But 73 and 89, well, I mean, I guess that's why you're making the change, right? (laughs) Um, They opted not to return Phil Nevin, and that's what created the opening that Ron Washington will apparently fill.
2: Man.
0: Hate to see it, love to see it. Right. Yeah. It's it's the weirdest feeling ever. So what's still open? Padres, Brewers, Padres, Brewers, Mets. Astros, no. Mets hired. Oh, that's
1: right. They hired Mendoza. Carlos Mendoza. Yeah.
0: I only remember that because I keep thinking below the Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. It's the so only reason I remember his name.
1: Padres, Brewers, Padres, Brewers, Brewers, and Astros.
0: Astros. As far as I know, that's it.
1: Interesting. I'm not I'm overwhelmed really... by Carlos Mendoza, which... Which, <laughs>
0: which the, met, the Mets know, are going to be so bad
1: it talent-wise
0: matter. that it's not going to
1: Never stop your enemy in the middle of making a mistake, right?
0: So, I think he's a he's probably a bridge guy, a Band-Aid of some sort. And, you know, I'll be worried in three or four years, maybe. Mets, gonna met though,
1: Mets right? are going to met. Mets are going to met. Let's take a quick
0: break. The weirdest and wildest news from across the world and Florida. And Florida. You've not
1: said that in a few weeks. It's coming. And you've got me. It's coming. It's you, a good one. You, you have my attention. It's a good one. So right. you're
0: going to want to come back after this break. Stick around.
1: zion
0: christian academy zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731 you can schedule your appointment go toward their campus it is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it again it's zioneagles.org give them a call 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today mockingbird title and escrow is an attorney owned and operated full service title company in middle tennessee we get your deals closed without worry and fuss We're a family business that offers the highest level of expertise in our industry when it comes to closing and funding your real estate transactions.
4: And it's it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients.
0: Call 615-274-8698 today.
7: Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
0: We're back for one final segment here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia. Today broadcasting from the factory at Columbia where later at 5.30 Mm -hmm. Savaya Morgan will host a signing ceremony where she will Ink with the orange and white of Tennessee, and cupcakes will be had, and who knows what else.
1: So it looks like there's something else over there. Yeah, I just don't know what it is. I'm not sure what it is, but there are definitely cupcakes, and they have been being eyed. So uh, exactly.
0: All right, let's get into the weirdest and wildest news from across the world, and we start in Florida.
1: That's a good place to start. If you
0: if you were a wanted man. And you were trying to hide from the police. They know your address. They know your, your last known address. So here's an idea. Take it from Johnny Yates in in Polk County, of course. Just put you a sign out front in your yard that says Johnny Yates does Don't not live here. Live here. <laughs> It's genius, right? I mean they're they're definitely not gonna look there. Don't look him (laughs) here. (laughs) This may be the most phenomenal way I've ever seen someone get arrested. (laughs) 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 A forty-one year old uh, was one
7: of
1: narrative. They did in fact look.
0: (laughs) He was arrested on aggravated battery, false imprisonment, and tampering charges and his sign said oh and here's here's my favorite is it it wasn't even like he didn't even do it on cardboard it was on a dry erase marker board so he yeah it's dry erase johnny Ace does not live here put it outside When Mm. deputies arrived... And and he was surprised that that didn't work, wasn't he? When deputies arrived, they noticed a note written on a dry erase board in in front of a window that said, Johnny Yates does not live here. Gee, a dry erase board never lied to us before. Should we believe it? There's actually a picture of it. And, you know, it's pretty good handwriting, to be honest with you.
1: So, you know... It's pretty good handwriting, which tells me Johnny probably didn't write it. Exactly. Johnny had an accomplice. Was Johnny the only person arrested? Uh, it appears so oh, okay. uh, enough was enough
0: and the surrender smoke was dispensed inside the house four people exited but not Johnny because he doesn't live he there <laughs> <laughs> deputies called out some more still no response from Johnny so a second helping of surrender smoke was put inside the home but so wafted around a bit yet still no response from Johnny finally deputies and canine Dexter entered the house located Johnny who was hiding in a modified chest of drawers Johnny was arrested and taken to jail you know what? Johnny doesn't live there anymore. He now lives at the Polk County Correctional Facility.
1: <laughs> the dry erase board was a case of foreshadowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor Johnny. Oh, man. Oh, not.
0: Four men have been charged in uh, English theft from the Blenheim Palace where British wartime leader Winston Churchill was born. Crown Prosecution Service said Monday it has authorized criminal charges against four men ages 35 to 39 over theft. They are accused of burglary and conspiracy to transfer criminal property. What did they steal, you might ask?
1: What did they steal?
0: (laughs) An 18-karat gold toilet. Seven people have been arrested over the heist, but no charges have been brought until Monday. Four years after the toilet was stolen, the toilet was fully functioning prior to the theft. Visitors to the exhibition could book a three minute appointment to use it. That's the weird wild walk wacky part, by the way. Three minute appointment. You better not have to go to. Uh, Police said that the toilet had been uh, connected to the palace's plumbing system and its removal caused significant damage and flooding to the building. Here's the best part. The toilet has not been located. You'll never
1: find it. No, I wouldn't find it. Not in that form. (laughs) Much
0: has been made over the new uh, end season tournament courts in the NBA. Mm Mm-hmm. Grant Williams found out the other day that, you know, not everything is as it seems. Because he was warming up, shooting his three-pointers as he does because he's Grant Williams. Something seemed a little off. Uh -uh. Well, (laughs) it was a little off, as a matter of fact, because the, the line's curvature was painted too far back. Oh, and the blue and yellow floor that Denver will use in the in season tournament made its debut Friday night. And the time between shoot around and the game, the Mavericks and Nuggets repainted the line to the right distance. Williams said, "I'm like, there's no way this is supposed to be this far. That everything was short. So there you go. <laughs> shooters know. Shooters, shooters know. No doubt." That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with us here at the Factory in Columbia. Come back with us tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We've got Coach's Corner as well as?
1: We've got Kevin Creasy of the Oakland Patriots joining us. We've also got Alicia Clark. WNBA champion Alicia Clark joining us.
0: See ya. Come back with us. It'll be a fun time. We'll see you then on Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee.
8: Bone and enjoy.